Welcome to episode 14 of Flying Podcast. So far I've spoken to many types of pilot, but uh, today I've yet to speak to a helicopter pilot. Today I'm about to put that right. I'm back in Manchester to speak to uh, a guy that flies a Bell Jet Ranger out of Barton. Uh, his name Joel Tobias. So let's find out a little bit more about uh, helicopter flying with Joel. Okay, first question. How did you get into flying? Um... My father's responsibility, actually. Uh, I think he felt that um, I didn't have uh, such a great academic career ahead of me. And uh, he uh, he thought maybe I should take up uh, flying as a career. So for my 18th birthday, he asked me if I wanted a, a trial lesson in a, uh, in a fixed-wing aircraft. Um, and I'd always had a fascination with helicopters, so I sort of jumped at the chance. And at 18, I uh, learned to fly from Manchester Airport, actually, uh, with Ravenair, who are still going from Barton today. And um, passed my licence at 18, but with a strong desire to move towards helicopters. Um, but there was no way you could learn in Manchester at that time. And um, I progressed onto there a little bit later on, uh, a couple of years later, in fact. Uh, so my grounding was really in fixed-wing uh, fixed flying. Okay, what sort of aircraft have you owned over the years? Well, um, I'm onto my, uh, I'm only onto my second aircraft, which is helicopters. Uh, first one was an Enstrom 480, which was a, also a turbine helicopter. Uh, G Lads, which is also based on the field here at Barton, um, and I had a fifth chair in that, but uh, probably operated it 95% of the time. And I'm a bit of a control freak, and uh, I really also aspired to a jet ranger, which is uh, pretty much every schoolboy's helicopter dream, and uh, took the plunge uh, uh, coming up to a year ago. And it was a plunge, believe you me. Uh. What sort of performance is a jet ranger? Speed? Um, jet ranger uh, will comfortably cruise, uh, certainly mine at about 110, 115 knots. Um, uh, it's got a VNE, uh, so uh, never exceeds speed of about 130 knots. And uh, obviously plus one minus two, uh, the wind direction. Uh, my machine will take five passengers. And uh, very versatile machine. Um, safest single-engined aircraft in the world, according to the uh, NTSB, the American uh, Safety Board. Is that right? It is, yep. Uh, safest single-engined aircraft, uh, full stop. Your turbine engines are very safe anyway, aren't they, I believe? Yes, they are. Um, well, we're all trying to uh, look for... Uh, you know, classic signs of engine failure and to make sure we fly uh, and appreciate that possibility. Uh, never had one. Tra uh, I train and practice quite a lot just in case. And um, please say, hasn't happened so far. The turbine's very, very reliable. So, uh, and mine is a Rolls Royce engine in it. So, mm. yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, so technically I fly around in a Rolls Royce as well. Uh, and the license types, like you say, so you did your PPLA for. Uh fixed wing aircraft then you move on to you studied pplh yes yes uh, uh pplla uh standard 45 hours from what i can remember it's 20 years ago now since i did now since i did my license um you move on to the pplh and you will get a five hour dispensation um you'll have to do a written um examination on um helicopters uh, as opposed to fixed wing types and um then from there you will progress to turbines, um, which is a five-hour transition, um, familiarisation on type, a turbine paper, um, and then uh, for each different type that you wish to fly, is five hours, uh, typically five hours, um, and a written. And then um, you can then move to a commercial pilot's licence, uh, which is CPLH, 
um, instrument rating. There is no IMC equivalent. Um, the main reason for that um, is the weather minima is reduced anyway for helicopters. Um, although I, I'm a firm believer that there should be some form of IMC rating for helicopters. Um, but we work on the principle that as long as you can see the ground, you can land on it, um, and therefore there'd be very little advantage. And we certainly don't advocate single-engine helicopters being taken into cloud um, because they're an inherently unstable aircraft, very easy to, uh, to fly into terrain with a helicopter. So for each individual type of aircraft that you fly, a different helicopter, you need a different rating and it's mandatory five hours, yeah, is it? Yeah, it's, um, it's usually at the discretion of the flight school, but um, traditionally five hours has been the adopted um, minimum and then a, a test at the end. We also have to do um, an LPC, a licensed proficiency check, each year um, with an instructor on each type um, so uh, I have an uh, engine from F-28, Bell 206 Jet Ranger, engine from 480, and to keep those valid, um, I have to do a licence proficiency check on each type. This year, however, um, I'll exceed 450 hours on turbines, and then I can rotate my licence proficiency check each year to a different aircraft, and that will validate me for all of those aircraft. So um, I'd, I'm now entering the realms of dispensation from doing it on each type. It's complicated, isn't it? You need a good memory. Uh, you need a good memory. Uh, you need a few quid to, uh, <laughs> to keep your ratings up. And, um, yeah, uh, to be honest, it's, um, it's a bit unusual, but because of the... Um, because of the uh, you know characteristics of a helicopter, more complex to fly, um, they want you to be really you know really validated on the aircraft. Okay. Uh, roughly, how much does it cost to keep a, a Bell Jet Ranger in the air? It's an expensive hobby. Um, more expensive than fixed wing. Oh, you you will run back to fixed wing uh, <laughs> quite happily. Um, a helicopter. Uh, of a turbine variety like mine um, typically costs about £550 a flying hour. Yeah, that's an expensive uh, hobby stroke business tool. Um, they've got significantly more moving parts, they require significantly increased intervals of inspection um, and if something does go wrong or require changing, because of economies of scale, they're not, you know, these items are not produced um, in significant volume. They have to re recover their you know, research and development manufacturing costs, and the only way to do that is to have a higher cost price for whatever that component is. It costs that much an hour despite you running on Jet A1, which is, what, less than half the price of... Yes, uh, yes. The, the, no difference to fixed wing, we accrue for maintenance. So if I take my machine out um, for three quarters, quarters of an hour, I don't consider that it's costing me three quarters of £500. Um, to be honest, if you are considering the cost, um, you shouldn't be running a helicopter. That isn't to say that I'm a multimillionaire and money is no object, um, but you really do need to go into aircraft ownership of this type with open eyes. The way that I look at it is that I know roughly what it's going to cost me a year. I justify it to myself, sort of. I don't tell the wife, although she's got a pretty much of a good idea. Um, and I pay the bills as they come through the door, and that way that allows me to get in the aircraft, and if I want to go out for an hour's flight, it's burning 
60 to 70 pounds of the fuel um, you really can't go into it looking at it as 500 pounds an hour but if I take my running costs of a year divide it by my uh, hours flying that's what it's going to cost me but you do use this for uh, for business purposes? I do use it for business purposes. I, uh, I have an office in Aylesbury in Buckinghamshire. I have a, an arrangement with a golf club a uh, quarter of a mile away to, to land there, which is very convenient. I do a lot of business in London, so I commute just outside of London, um, park up there. I take clients for lunch, um, so we consider that to be a marketing expense. Um, and um, yes, I do. I do. I, I like to fly for a purpose, um, and a helicopter is a great opportunity to literally go anywhere. So I have, the, you know, I have advantages of being able to pop into a hotel, uh, a pub, um, an airfield. In fact, I rarely re require an airfield unless I uh, unless I need fuel en route. Um, so yes, I do. And then there's the uh, occasional, you know, uh, social flight. Take the wife, take the family out. No shortage of friends with a jet range. Yeah, I assure you. Uh, if, it, if it had 20 seats, I would be able to fill them. No problem. Where Where have you been? What sort of trips have you been on? Um, longest trip um, is south of France, which I did uh, three or four weeks ago. I had an opportunity um, to take the machine down to the south of France. That was great. Uh, first crossing for me in a helicopter over a significant stretch of water. Um, I'm going to do the Isle of Man um, in two days' time, which, I, again, I've done plenty of times fixed wing, uh, never in a chopper. So um, after this interview, I'm going to uh, file a flight plan for Sunday and uh, make all the um, special grants declarations. Um, all over the country, but but predominantly south, actually. Um, uh, furthest I've probably been is Carlisle up north. Um, don't ask me why, not quite sure. You get to the lakes quite a lot, don't you? Yep, go to the lakes. Lakes is great. Uh, either take a client up there for a bit of lunch, or if it's uh, if it's a nice clear day, go out and uh, fly the valleys, fly, fly the mountains. On, on Saturday I went to um, the Welsh mountains, um, did some pinnacle flying. Uh, loads of photos on my blog um, of me landing my craft at uh, 2,000 and 3,000 foot up on a small pinnacle. Quite hairy flying, but uh, quite exhilarating uh, as well. Uh, in a recent podcast, I was talking to the guy with the uh, gyrocopter, and he was saying that it's much more stable in uh, unstable air. Does that same thing apply to a helicopter? Yes, it does. Uh, we don't um, suffer from turbulence at all. Um, and um, it makes the, the flights far more comfortable. Um, Yes, it is affected by uh, wind. Certainly the jet ranger has got a long tail boom, so it's going to get caught. So you have to be conscious of where the wind's coming from. But in terms of turbulence, not really affected at all. Um, I know plenty of people that um, who are frightened of flying, not overly keen on going fixed wing or rotary wing. But once I've managed to get them, they are converted within seconds. They don't expect that it's a smooth transition. There's no bumpiness as you're going down a grass or a grass or a concrete runway. We literally just take off, fly into the uh, fly into the air, and it's quite smooth. Uh, it's in fact it's very very smooth. Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah, no, and uh, I did listen to the podcast, and uh, and uh, there are some similarities, absolutely. Good. There's a lot of utility with a helicopter, and you can fly up and just land in a restaurant, back garden yes. somewhere. Do you yeah. do that in the Lake District? Is that? Oh, I do that. I've been to uh, 40 or 50 places. I'm, a, I'm, I'm on first name terms with lots of the pubs, clubs, <laughs> uh, restaurants in the in the locality, um, uh, and that is the absolute beauty of a helicopter. Um, bung two people in the back. Um, bunk three people actually in the back of mine turn up at a pub I, I've got a list of about 100 within 30 minutes flying of here and uh, I have to say that uh, even now after 20 years of flying and uh, doing a 
couple of hundred hours flying a year. I still love landing and taking off um, with an audience, which is great. I bet, I bet. Yeah. So compared with uh, fixed wing, how tricky is it to fly a helicopter? You've got more controls? Yep, uh, helicopters are dynamically unstable aircraft, take your hands and feet off and uh, five or six seconds later it's going to be in a, a, a gentle descending spiral um, as opposed to fixed wing which once it's levelled uh, out, reasonable wind, um, you take your hands and feet off autopilot or, or not. Um, helicopters uh, is controlled in three axis, we've got the pedals which uh, control lateral stability, um, got the collective which is power and effectively controls height and the cyclic, uh, which is that little stick in between your legs, which controls forwards, backwards, and left and right sideward, sidewards flight. Um, each and every control um, creates uh, an adverse effect on the others, so we are constantly adjusting to, to keep that. And unlike in all the films where you'll see these dramatic movements left and right, um, that really doesn't happen except in the hovering at low level. Um, control movements are in millimetres, realistically. And... Um, uh, once you've got that, um, they're quite easy to fly, really, um, and people are quite surprised. Um, the hover is very difficult. You're uh, fighting ground effect, and everything is accentuated a hundred times, mm -hmm. so you've just got to be pretty quick. But it's like riding a bike. Once you get there, it's, uh, you know, you're going to be okay with it. You say you've got a blog. How can somebody find your blog? Oh, uh, my blog is uh, www.jetbox.wordpress.com, and I try and update that pretty much daily. Um, not all about me, uh, in fact I, I just could try and keep it generically on the helicopter industry, um, but uh, I will put interesting things up there. Um, my uh, French trip is on there. I took a trip down to uh, Skytech helicopters recently to look at some uh, MD500 uh, helicopters and uh, yeah, just odds and sods over there. Bit of a bit of a helicopter geek to be honest. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Alright, that's great. Thank you very much, Jill. Yeah, no, no problem at all. Okay, after that brief chat in the restaurant at Barton, uh, we then went to uh, have a look around the Jet Ranger's cockpit, uh, and then hopefully we'll go up for a, a quick flight around the area. Uh, apologies for the mobile phone interference on that first part of the podcast. Really sorry about that. I hope it didn't ruin it uh, too much for you. Anyway, here we go, into the Jet Ranger cockpit. Okay, so we're now sat inside the cockpit of a typical layout Bell 206 B3 Jet Ranger. The B3 is the uh, later model, and unfortunately now the discontinued model, uh, Bell have stopped produ producing them. Um, the layout, very similar to the, what you would expect in a, uh, a fixed-wing aircraft, a standard T layout with all the normal instruments, direction indicator, turn and balance indicators, altitude and airspeed. This is a turbine engine, so we have some additional instru uh, instruments. Um, we have a turbine outlet temperature, which is a critical instrument on start. Um, we have to control the turbine because it will go from 0 to 1,000 degrees in seconds. And actually, if we get to 1,000 degrees, we've just kissed goodbye to a 50 grand engine. So we try and uh, stop that if we can. We have a torque gauge, um, which is power, sort of equivalent to manifold pressure in piston engine helicopters. And then we have a gas producer engine, uh, gas producer instrument, which uh, we require at the start phase also. And uh, I've got some other instrumentation as well, as VOR, ADF, stuff like that. Um, my avionics have been recently overhauled, so um, I'm a, a Garmin fan, two Garmin radios, uh, the latest Garmin uh, 328 transponder, mode S. And I also have the new Garmin 695, which if anyone follows the Garmin series of, uh, of uh, portable GPSs, uh, I can recommend highly. 
So onto the uh, aircraft uh, controls themselves, if we, as we mentioned earlier, three main principal controls, um, which are, in fact, some would argue four, we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, we've got the torque anti-torque pedals, which control uh, yaw. We've got the cyclic stick, um, which is uh, sat between my legs, and the collective here. And the fourth one, really, is the throttle, but on a turbine engine, once the throttle's fully open, the governor then adjusts. Um, so um, I'm now going to do some pre pre-flight startup checks, call for call for engine start and uh, and we'll see if we can go for a flight. Excellent, thank you. Okay. leaving the aerodrome now, that was great. Joel took me up for a quick flight around Cheshire countryside, went down the Manchester low-level route uh, to just above uh, Alton Park, the race circuit. Uh, showed me how you get in and out of a field at one of his favourite uh, restaurants out in the countryside, just dropping into a field and then back out again. At the aerodrome he uh, demonstrated the hover and I uh, had a quick try at uh, maintaining a hover over a point, which I have to say is impossible. I don't know how to do it. <laughs> I couldn't quite manage it, I was all over the place, but uh, it's all about, I think the secret is uh, minimal inputs, and it must take you uh, a few hours, many hours I would imagine, to be able to uh, be competent at hovering on a, over a point. Once you're in the air, taking the controls is a little more uh, straightforward, although I was only uh, entrusted with direction which was quite easy I wouldn't fancy uh, at the moment having to control the uh, foot pedals and the collective but anyway brilliant flight no turbulence as, as predicted as promised very smooth great height about a thousand feet so we're able to see everything's going on beautiful weather clear as a bell could see uh, all across the Cheshire Plains Manchester Airport Jodrell Bank Superb, all the way to Wales as well, Snowdonia. A great um, touring machine, but at uh, 500 odd pound an hour. No, I don't think so. Stick with fixed wing. Anyway, thanks to Joel for that. That's uh, another episode in the bag. If you'd like to subscribe, go to iTunes. If you'd like to drop me a line, please email me at steve at flyingpodcast.co.uk. That's steve at flyingpodcast.co.uk. Send me any comments you have. I look forward to uh, speaking to you soon.